Very busy week for MLS action. Very exciting Wednesday for MLS action. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. Ivis Galarsep. What's up, dude? Doing pretty good, man. It's been a busy week. We had a, yeah. you know, a big uh, midweek schedule, and uh, seems like we're just flooded with MLS games now. It's been it's been busy. I mean, even Divas FC got a win last night. So you know, it's been a busy week for soccer in this country. Are we really, really going to plug your team? Are we, are we really? Are we, if we can't, if we can't have highlights of these games, so we can all laugh at you, uh, I don't think we should talk about the team. You know, I, I, I will admit, I did pull a Robbie Finley and roof a goal from two feet out. You missed from two feet away. Oh, it was horrible. It was disgusting. Cross came in, and I and I and I panicked for some reason, and I kicked it like fifty feet up in the air over the crossbar. But I did make up for it and scored a goal like twenty minutes later. So. I, I I did make up for it, Ivis. You you scored a goal. Yeah. Are the who are you? Are these like U ten kids? No, 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 no. I mean, these are like you know, it's mostly people who played you know club their whole life and stuff like that. It was it was it was pretty good. I'm not that bad of a soccer player. You you guys might need me for that MLS journalist game. Oh, the media cup. Yeah, media, yeah. you guys might need me for that. Uh well I don't know I don't think you're gonna be at the All Star game so maybe MLS Cup you know if if the, if the Galaxy um, hosted again maybe you can go out or or even if Salt Lake maybe somehow uh, that's not sure I'll, I'll go post. I'll go wherever I'm assuming that this show is gonna pay for my trip ha <laughs> uh well we'll see man maybe uh, if 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 things change and uh, you know we get a sponsor if the SBI show gets a sponsor then we definitely have to take the show on the road yeah hint 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 all right Ivis well. We have a uh, an excellent show today. Uh, that Wednesday night, uh, the night on Wednesday, you talk about what an exciting night. You and I are going to recap that. A stellar performances from a couple players, and then we're going to preview the weekend, and obviously we're going to talk about the biggest headlines. And the first one is Josie Atador scores 31 goals. Azen wins the Dutch title, and it's going to be a very fun summer to see where he's going to end up. Uh, well, it's uh, you know, it seemed like the perfect ending. Uh, to the season for Josie Altidore. I, I mean, I know they have one game left uh, in the league, but you know, for them to to come out and and beat and you know they were an underdog uh, going up against PSV, uh, a high scoring, a strong team, and they took it to them from the right from the start and scored two early goals. And Josie Altidore scores the second, his thirty first goal of the year in all competitions for AZ, and and they they held on for the win. And it's it's just a, really a perfect ending. I mean, it, their season for the club. Uh, wasn't the wasn't the best season in terms of results, but for for Altidore, just it's just been outstanding all year long, and and you know he's done it against good teams, uh, you know as as well. And I know some people kind of wonder, oh, you know, is he, what kind of competition he's doing? Is he doing it against? Is he you know? But he, I tell you what, he has scored against teams like like Ajax and PSV, some of the strongest teams in that league. So uh, perfect ending for him. And and now if he does leave, which you know I still believe it, it's more more than likely that he does leave. Um, what, what better way to go than to leave a leave a trophy for the folks at, at AZ? Well, I think it, okay. I, I think it'll be difficult for me to say, Ivis, pick a team. Let's go by league. Which league right now do you think he could transfer to? I mean, could it be? You know, could he go to England, Germany? Uh, I mean, could he go down to to Italy? I mean, where where what league do you think he'll actually end up in if he if he does make a move? Well, we've had this talk before I know, i'd say I, I like, england i want to know i like hot gossip so i want to know <laughs> well i mean it, nothing's come out yet there's no uh true legitimate transfer talk yet there's nothing nothing new anyway i mean obviously there's there's the same old rumblings about about you know potential places like italy and and, and england which i still say are the two kind of favorites 
but as far as specific clubs, we have uh, you know nothing's really come out yet, nothing tangible. I still say England for me is a good is a good possibility. Uh, I think Italy, you know, Italy's a good possibility. Germany, there's obviously quite a bit of money in Germany now, so you know they could see him as an option. I think one of those three leagues, even France, um, depending on the right team, right circumstance, I think. I think that'd be somewhat intriguing move for him, you know, he, you know, being, having the Haitian background and, uh, you know, had, I'm pretty sure he, he, he wouldn't mind going to France and, and they have some teams there that obviously aren't afraid to spend money. So, uh, you know, it, there's no shortage of options for Josie Osador. I mean, to put together two strong seasons like he has, uh, uh teams are definitely not going to be afraid to put some money down for him. When you watch him play now, is there anything that's really impressed you over the last two years or maybe just within the last year that, that maybe he's changed as a player on or off the field? I mean, have, have you noticed anything differently that he's done? Honestly, it just boils down to confidence and uh, confidence and games uh, and, and just the reps that, that he's gotten. I mean, he went so long uh, without getting consistent playing time that, A, that makes you rusty, and, B, that hurts your confidence. So, you know, when he would get on the field – uh, he'd struggle. Uh, I mean, he had flashes here and there. I mean, I can still remember the game uh, for Hull City against Man City uh, that came after the the earthquake in Haiti, and you know he played an inspired game, his best game, maybe as a pro before uh, going to to Azed. I mean, I think that might have been his best game. Uh, I, I just think confidence is the key, uh, and he he's been able to develop that for two years straight now. Uh, feel that confidence of stepping on the field and knowing that chances are going to come his way. And that he's going to put them away, and and you just see it in the way he plays. I mean, we're not talking about, uh, you know, when you score thirty one goals, that's not all tappins. That's I mean, he's scored some great goals, uh, some great interplay. Uh, his passing has improved, his hold up play has improved, and I know there's still that kind of small contingent of, of U.S. fans who just don't buy into it yet because they haven't seen it on the national team level. Uh, but I, I, I'll say it, I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Until the U.S. midfield gets its act together, until the U.S. midfield is set up to create chances for the forwards, uh, you're not going to see Josie Altidore play like like he plays at Azed. Let's face it, Azed has a ton of, of of attacking talent in their midfield. I mean, Adam Mayer is, you know, for my money and for most people, I think anybody who, who knows what's going on, God's money is better than anyone in the U.S. as far as creative, creative players. So, uh, you know, he just has that advantage on the, on the club side. Um, that being said, you know, they're – if Jurgen Klinsmann can sort out the midfield and 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 put some creative players in positions to set up chances, I think Altador will finish those chances because he he's done it for two years now. He has that confidence, uh, but at the same time, if if chances don't come, you can definitely see him get getting frustrated and, and get out of sync, and and that's where you know maybe he can uh, I think upset Klinsmann uh, because you know he get, he does get down on himself sometimes, and and you can see it especially if he doesn't start. I mean I know that's a whole other thing. Um, but I think he's he's such a he's grown so much over these last two years that uh, I, I really think he could have a big summer, especially if that U.S. midfield gets its act together. One of the interesting things is the fact that his club might not release him early for the national team. It, obviously, he's going to get the call into camp, but is that going to affect maybe Jurgen naming him to the starting eleven, which could possibly happen? Well, I tell you what, last it, it, it's. I know U.S. fans are, are, are upset, uh, and <laughs> rightfully so, at the, at the possibility that we could have a repeat of last summer's fiasco where Azed wouldn't release him, would not let him join 
the U.S. team and basically told uh, you know made him take a mandated uh, vacation. They told him to take a few weeks off. And, and, and to be fair, I think I think Altidore, if he did anything, his mistake was you know I think he took that too much to heart, and he really didn't train, and he really literally took a break and stopped training, like really intensely training um, to, to to keep his fitness level, and that cost him because once he once he came back from that break, that extended break, you know he he went into the U.S. Uh, he joined the U.S. team, and his fitness was, had had taken a real dip. And and I think if if Azed is going to stand firm, if they're if they're not going to let him go um, until the the absolute drop dead date that FIFA mandates, uh, if if they if they hold him back, then that means he's going to miss friendlies. Uh, that means you know he could end up you know, it could end up costing him a starting spot uh, going into Jamaica, into the Jamaica game um, in, in early June. Uh, but then it's going to be up to to Altidore if you know if he is forced to stay away from the U.S. team. He really has to to take it seriously when he's when he's on this break to train hard to keep himself fit and to do what he can do what he can do on his own uh, to not lose too much fitness because you know that I think you know one of the things that upset Klinsman the most uh, about that whole situation last year is the fact that Josie, Josie let himself go uh, and just you know li- literally did nothing for a few weeks. I mean you know he might have done some some exercising and some. You know what he felt was was enough to kind of keep him on that level, but it, clearly it wasn't the case. So you know, hopefully cooler heads prevail. Hopefully Azed it becomes reasonable. They've just won the Dutch Cup. He just scored the winner. I mean, they should be on cloud nine. So they they should they should just say, okay, look, you know, we we understand. We'll let you go early. I mean, at the end of the day, we're talking about you know a difference of like a week, a week or so. So I mean, you know, if if Azed wants to uh, kind of stand firm here. I mean, there's nothing you really can do. I mean, it's up to Josie to, you know, I, I don't know what he can do. But the only thing he can do is if he's forced to do it is to, is to take it seriously that, he, that he's going to really work out on his own. It's crazy to think that his last international goal was on November 15, 2011 in the Fog game uh, that was in Slovenia. One of the biggest things we probably should have talked about in the very beginning of the show was the uh, Alex Ferguson stepping down as uh manager of uh, Manchester United. I mean, it's, it's pretty big news. And I saw a stat out there that, that showed some of the bigger clubs in Europe and how many managers it would take them to equal uh, Ferguson's success. And, I mean, in every club had at least five-plus managers or more it would take them to equal the success that he had at Manchester United. It's quite amazing. Yeah, well, that, yeah. I mean, when you look at those stats, I mean, I saw one for Serie A and some of those teams – had like twenty managers in the time that yeah. that you know Ferguson was at Man United, um, and you know obviously it's you know from an American soccer standpoint it, does it matter much? No, but from a world soccer standpoint, obviously you're talking about a legend and and arguably the greatest coach in club soccer history, one of the without question one of the greatest. Um, uh, what's interesting is is kind of the domino effect it's going to have and and how that could impact the uh, the American soccer scene when you think about David Moyes. Uh, taking over now, uh, leaving Everton, going to Manchester United. Uh, Moy is someone who has uh, worked with American players before. Obviously, when you talk about the likes of Brian McBride, Tim Howard, Landon Donovan, um, you know he's he he's had that eye for talent from uh, from the U.S. So you know it's going to be interesting to see uh, if that carries over when he's at Man U. I mean, I already know I've heard it. Some U.S. fans are already talking. Oh, you know, he's going to bring Lionel Donovan. He's going to bring what? Tim Howard. Wait, 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 and, wait, no, I, I, seriously, people, there are some people. Are you serious? Who are asking these questions. Oh and let's God. face it, folks, that's just, it's crazy talk. It's crazy talk. 
Landon Donovan is not going to Man United unless he buys a ticket or gets comped a ticket uh, by Nike. Uh, and and Tim <laughs> Howard is is staying at Everton. I mean, he he's uh, he's said it in the past. You know, he's he's happy there. He wants to kind of finish out his career in Europe or at least in England. Uh, there and, and you know there's something to be said for for kind of building a legacy there and he's already done the Man United thing. I mean, hey, if Man yeah. United came calling and, and and threw down a ton of money to to Everton to bring Tim Howard over, sure, I, you know I, maybe it could happen. But at the same time, let's face it, Man United, that's not the most pressing need for Man United. I mean, th- say what you want. I know some people think David de Gea is not a great goalkeeper, but the fact is he's he's a very very good young young goalkeeper and he's going to be the starter there and you man united they have other needs you know they have to rebuild their midfield they have to rebuild their defense um so you know tim howard's not going anywhere folks uh landon donovan i think he said today that uh man united wants players that can make penalties that that was pretty funny um but let's be realistic folks we're talking about man U. the day will come hopefully where an american player goes there but uh it's not going to be uh it, this year let's put it that way well i actually well, back to De Gea. I thought he's played much better, and not uh, since he came over uh, over the last two years. I thought he's improved a lot, and I think way too many people bring up all his past mistakes, which there were a lot. But I think he's, like you said, I think he's improved. But I think the question, though, is Ivis. Let's just say, for example, that an American is going to go to Manchester United. Let's say there is that possibility where he's like, "Yes, I'll take an American." Is there American that is at the skill level for Manchester United? I mean, maybe Dempsey. Maybe Altidore is maybe Howard, and is is there anyone else outside of that three that you could justify and say that they can earn a starting on, spot on that team? Uh, right now, I don't see anyone that you could just say Man United is, is going to buy. And that's what I'm saying. It's not like he's going to go there and bring bring over Dempsey and Josie Altidore. No, it's just not even worth talking. Listen, it's not even yeah. worth discussing beyond the one the, beyond the one sentence we already talked about it. Just to address it, because yes, there are some people who are a little kind of unrealistic about the where where things stand, where players stand. Um, you know what? I don't even think I don't even think if Moyes was at Everton still for next year that he would bring Landon Donovan back. I think that ship has sailed. Uh, I think there's serious questions about Landon Donovan and his commitment to the game itself. That you know, I'm sure the folks in Europe are like, you know, he took a sabbatical, he took a vacation. What? What's what's this talk? Okay, you know what? I think it's safe to say Europe is out of the picture for him for for the immediate future. Hopefully, one day comes where you know. I tell you what, if Michael Bradley. If he keeps playing well, you know, if he has another strong, if he has a strong season next year for Roma, if he keeps getting better, I mean, maybe he's someone who could who could play uh, at an even higher level. I mean, he's still young, so I mean, I, I'm not going to rule him out. I mean, I think he's someone who could definitely uh, be a Champions League player. But for right now, I mean, I think uh, it's unrealistic for anyone to expect an American player going to Man U anytime soon. Well, uh, Jonathan Spector was there for for a couple games. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he was I mean, a young I mean, player, know, youth player. Saying, it was it was I, kind I, of a you know interesting just, how that I'm, all I'm, happened. But I'm just being a thorn in the side right now. That was a long time ago. It was. It was. Long time it was. I, he, I mean, hey, for a while, Spectre was a very good player. That Confederations Cup of 2009 was. He played lights out. Uh, Ivis, though, when you talk about the the movement of this though with Tim Howard, though, where I mean, he he will will he still be the starting keeper? Do, do you expect him to move? I mean, do, should should anything happen on that front? You mean with Everton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's not going anywhere. He's the guy. He's the number one there. Um, you know, he's a fixture there. He, he's he's really become part of the fabric there at Everton. And, and you know, he signed a new contract last summer uh, that's going to keep him there right up till the next World Cup, not even the 2014 World Cup. We're talking about the next one after that. Um, so, he, you know, he, he he's going to be there for a while. And it's interesting that he, you know, he, he had, you know, he had his ups and downs earlier in the season, but. Once again, he's finished strong, 
and I and I think the break actually did 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 him uh, did did him some good uh, when he injured his back and he had to sit some games, missing games for the first time in, in you know how many years. So I think he'd be fine. I think he's going to have a good summer uh, with the U.S. and and he's going to keep playing at a high level. It's just an, he's in an interesting position because the list of people who can say that they played for for uh, Alex Ferguson and David Moyes isn't isn't a very long one. Uh, you know, when you talk about maybe you, you have Wayne Rooney, you have Phil Neville. I mean, I'm sure there's a couple that I'm that I'm missing, uh, but I mean, it's a short list, and and so he. Definitely has that inter- that unique take, that unique perspective on those those big moves. What do you think is going to happen to Everton now? We really haven't talked about them. Can they still be a club that could always be that fringe Champions League? We'll probably get a Europa League spot every other year. Or are they just going to kind of dive down a little bit? What do you think? I tell you what, it really depends who they hire. It really, you know, it's not going to be easy to replace uh, a manager like David Moyes, who was so shrewd. On the transfer market, uh, you know, he didn't have a lot of money to spend, but he spent pretty well, and, and he was able to to snag some quality along the way. I mean, you know, talking about and also develop players. I mean, w- whether it's buying a player like Fellaini, uh, you know, grabbing a player like Tim Howard when he did, um, you know, he that that's uh, that's obviously worked out well for them. Uh, bringing along players like Leighton Baines, uh, you know, and, and also Jack Rodwell, who they sold for a ton of money last year. So you know if they bring it's going to depend. I mean who they who they hire. I mean I think Roberto Mar- Martinez, uh, or as the as the English say Roberto Martinez, uh, you know he's <laughs> I, li- I like him a lot as a manager. I mean he's a, he's an intelligent guy and and at Wigan you know he's kind of used to not having money to spend. So uh, from that standpoint it, you know he, he kind of has that experience. He'll have a little more money to spend at Everton, but I, I think he could be a good hire. Uh, but it's really going to depend who, who who goes there, who they hire, and right now it seems to be still a bit up in the air. I know, and poor Wigan, man, they might go down a league. I feel so bad for them. It's not over yet. It's not. I, don't, don't don't tell me you're part of that. Oh, well, Arsenal's going to lock it up because you know they never they never falter when things are, are when the pressure's on. They they always come through. I get it. Arsenal's been playing well. They should win, but you can't take anything for granted. And I think intelligent Arsenal fans have seen enough collapses, has have seen enough disappointments. To know you can't rule it out, and all it takes is is Wigan is Wigan to shock them. Uh, they're in a bit of a tough spot though, because you know they have that. Uh, you know they they're going to be dealing with the FA Cup. Um, yeah, and, and and so that's 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 tough. But and plus, if you saw them against Swansea, I mean they look awful. Their defense looked atrocious, and you have to think if their defense plays like that, Arsenal's going to put five on them. Uh, but you know, there's something about this time of year. You know, Wigan finds a way. Wigan works magic. That's what I'm saying. And hopefully, you know what? And I have nothing against Arsenal. I just like the drama. I, I, I want I want as much drama as possible on the last day. I think every neutral fan wants that. So you know what? If Wigan beating Arsenal makes that happen, then by all means. Because if Wigan does do that, then all of a sudden you have Arsenal uh, against Newcastle, where one team's playing for their Champions League lives and the other team's playing for survival in the Premier League. That would be that would be good. If you have Wigan pretty much fall apart and, and and get relegated before the final week, Arsenal lock up the, the last Champions League spot. The last week of the season in England is going to be completely meaningless, except for the fact that man, uh, uh, Alex Ferguson will be managing well, his, his last game. That'll be the only thing. Well, depending on certain results, too, when you look at uh, – I, mean, I don't want to get too much of the Premier League because you and I can go on forever. 
But you look from Fulham, which is 12 and down, they're only at 40 points. So depending on how things could work out, I mean, let's say Wigan wins. They're at 38 points. Well, then they're tied with three other teams. I, I don't. I mean, you never know. Like you said, you never know uh, what could happen. Ivis, though, let's uh, let's get into MLS. We, we, we've, we've talked enough European uh, football on this show. The Wednesday games for MLS were outstanding. You could have arguments for Player of the Week already for Will Bruin or Thierry Henry. Let's start with Henri. That bicycle kick goal that he had, uh, spectacular. Luis Robles um, gives, uh, I think, every New York fan a heart attack late in the game with that horrible pass out of the back. But New York gets the victory, 2-1, to one, and, and a quality victory because we've talked about, you know, have they been playing tough enough teams, and they get a quality victory over Montreal. Uh, yes, they definitely, as a team, stepped up, played well. The only thing for me is that, that I kind of take away from that game is I really wish Montreal would have played their full squad. I understand the whole squad rotation thing, so you can't really knock them. They have a lot of games in a short amount of time. They're balancing MLS midweek games along with the Canadian championship games that they've played recently. So you're talking about a team that's logging a lot of minutes, so you can understand why Marco Schallenbaum will feel the need to rest some guys. So, you know. But that being said, you're still kind of like, oh, man, this is the clash of the team, top teams in the East. You want to see them full with their full complement just do battle. And then Marco DeVaio is on the bench. He starts the match on the bench. And then you see what he does when he comes off the bench. Oh, and you're like, no. man, you know, who knows what would have really happened if these both these teams would have been in full strength. And obviously the Red Bulls aren't in full strength either. I know. Dax McCarty's injured. They're, they're, they're facing their own issues as well. I get that. But I'm just – for me, I would like to have seen DeVaio out there um, – you can't take anything away from the Red Bulls. They still stepped up, played a good game, except for Robles once again, you know, doing what he seems to do most of the time. I think at a certain point, you wonder if they're just going to put an extra uh, B in his last name and just, and just you know, call him Louis Robles, like Bobbles. But um, I don't know, man. I, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was bad. I, he, you know what? He's not going to have that job long. I mean, I know he had to play, play that good game against Columbus, and that kind of you felt like, oh, he's going to oh, turn it around. Oh, 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 oh. That was not – I mean, that was an okay game against Columbus. He was still shaky in goal in that game. He made a lot of saves. He made a lot of saves. But anyway, oh, for him on. it was a big game. But I'll tell you what, Ryan Mira is on his way back. We said it before. But the Red Bulls, man, they're racking up the points. They're play, they've played like – it seems like twice as many games as everyone else in the league. And they're going to come up on a pretty long break here uh, pretty soon. Uh, so it's good for them that they're racking up the points, and you want to, and you wonder how they're going to respond once they have that break. Well, they have another game this weekend too before they start having that break, and we'll talk about that that game this weekend. And uh, speaking of Red Bulls, a former player last night came up big. Kenny Cooper on FC Dallas scores a PK, a controversial PK late in the game to get the draw against Portland. Uh, two teams in the West that you know we've talked about how impressive they've been. This season, and uh, for that call in the box, Ivis, what do you make of that? I thought it was a little weak. What's your take? Anyone who follows me on Twitter knows how I feel about that play. Blas Perez, uh, as, someone, as someone on Twitter pointed out, he's the master. He's a master of the dark arts. He's a master uh, of just pulling. You know, you could be standing next to him, and he will absolutely he'll grab you. And then he'll fall down, and then and then and then you'll be arrested for assault. Like he he's just he can make the magic happen in the penalty area. He knows what to do. Basically, he grabs Andrew John Baptiste with two handful handfuls of his jersey, proceeds to push him back five yards. Baptiste 
you know, protecting himself basically puts his own his own arms up, and there his his, his mistake right there. I mean, that he should have just he should have just stuck his arms out to his sides and screamed for his life, but he doesn't do that. Blas Perez falls in a heap, and the referee only sees him fall and 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 sees you know Baptiste grab some jersey, calls a penalty, terrible call, terrible play, terrible sequence. But once again, Blas Perez has done this before. He's a master of it. He's a master of knowing where people are, knowing where the referee is, knowing where the defender is in relation to his body, and and diving. That's what he does. He's a master of it. So he pulled it off again. Uh, and you know what? I say I tell you what. It was a great game. Is a draw is kind of a fair result. Although Portland, you know, you can definitely understand why they're upset because uh, you know they had the three points in the bag. They they actually put together a quality play for a goal uh, in the run of play. Unlike Dallas, which you know relied on a PK, but you know what? It was a good game. These teams will meet again, and, and I think both these teams are going to stay near the top of the West uh, through the rest of the year. And how refreshing was it to see Kenny Cooper step up and just drill that PK after we've seen some atrocious PKs over the last couple weeks by certain players? Higuain, Searson, <coughs> last night uh, on Wednesday, and I thought it, I loved it. Just walk up, pound it into the back of the net, and walk away with confidence. I, I, was, very, I was very happy with that. Well, let's face it, Kenny Cooper's track record for PAs hasn't been perfect either. I mean, I'm sure any Red Bulls fan can remind you That's true. Uh, of the stutter step. And, and fans That's in awesome. Portland. That's what I said. Fans That's in Portland. He did the same thing. He missed PK in Portland. Um, so, but, yes, I mean, you definitely like, like to see a player just run up and blast it. And, and uh, you know, he did a job there uh, scoring that goal. But, you know, hey, both teams, eight-game unbeaten streaks right now. Dallas is still holding on to the top spot. But I tell you what, the the West is you know the you know Seattle starting to march, Seattle starting to climb up, the, you know starting to wake up. The the Galaxy will be there, and I think if you're FC Dallas at a certain point, you know that the luck's gonna go start going the other way. You know you've had the luck on your side. Yes, the team has played well. Yes, they're a better team than than, than most thought they'd be, including myself. I didn't think they'd be this good, but. It, they're going to hit a tougher part of their schedule coming up here pretty soon, and and they're going to they're going to kind of regret not taking all these points that they could have taken. Uh, in another game that had a uh, not not a questionable call, but a uh, little whatever at the end of it, little uh, excitement at the end. Actually, all the games are exciting. Was Seattle and Sporting Kansas City? Uh, Arian Collin had a uh, a horrible misclearance, and then Troy steps up. Gets the goal for Seattle, and we've talked about this, Ivis, how important this stretch run is for Seattle because it's not over, but for them to stay competitive throughout the rest of the season, they needed to get a victory, and they got a big victory late against Sporting Kansas City. Oh, absolutely. It's, it, it's it, you know, if they come away with a tie from there, you can kind of be okay with it, you know, because, you know, they're, you know they had to travel from Philly to KC uh, and, 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 you know, play a tough team in Kansas City. So even if they had gotten a draw, you could come away and say, yeah, you know what, we're, we're okay with that. But for them to get all three points and for Triori to find that winner in stoppage time, um, I mean, you're talking about a, a win that can really spark that team. And that team has too much talent to, you know, to to have stayed on the bottom of the West for too long, and and I think it's it's it, now that they've started to put it together. Now you're talking four game unbeaten streak, uh, you know, eight points from their last four. They're 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 starting to wake up and they're starting to get healthier. Eddie Johnson's back, you know. Obviously, Obafemi Martin's still working his way back, but they they're coming, man. Seattle's coming. I mean, they they anyone who thought they were going to stay down there, stay in the basement. I mean, that that just wasn't really realistic and. If you're Kansas City, you really have to be upset with yourselves because, 
I mean, you needed to get a point, at least a point out of this game. And and, and Aurelian Collin, I mean, the guy, he can be the one of the best, if not the best center back in the league at times. But then he also makes makes mistakes. He makes just really bad mistakes. And he did that again. Failed clearance attempt. It's on him. And you can see the reaction after the goal. You watch Collin. He knows it was on him. Um, so, you know what? I think Kansas City will be okay. I think that, you know, they're still, you know, getting Kai Kamaro back. When he got when he came on the field as a sub in that game, the crowd at at, at Sporting Park, that reaction was just it was just so impressive. And, and I tell you what, adding Kamara back to that mix, man, Kansas City is going to be dangerous. They're they're they're, they're going to be a handful, and and I'm looking forward to see seeing them now with him back on in the squad. So you look at Sporting Kansas City's recent run where they've got where they've only had one victory in their past four games as just. A hiccup. It's nothing that we should read into. A very tough part of the schedule because it has been tough. You talk Galaxy, Portland Timbers, Chivas. I mean, well, Chivas, no, but uh, Seattle. It's been very tough. So you just look at this stretch as you know. We shouldn't look into it too much, right? No, they're fine, man. They're fine. They're, they will be. They're they're too good a team. They will be there. I mean, hey, you know what? Seattle's a good team. So that was. I mean, it was a, that, that was always going to be a tough game. They, you know, you, you you want to get three points at home always, obviously, but you can understand why they would have struggled there in that game. And, and then you don't expect your best set, you know, a star, a, a top defender like like Colin to to have that kind of melt meltdown there at the end uh, to cost them the winner. They, they'll be okay. Although I tell you what, <laughs> things don't get any easier for them now. They play the other team that's been their kind of uh, the team they can't beat. Seattle is a team that's what in Kansas City has is is traditionally had trouble with. But not as much as Houston. Houston is 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 definitely been uh, the cursed opponent for them, and now they get them. And and that I tell you, that is the game I I, I absolutely want to get the popcorn for because that I'm, is going to be a, a can't miss game. Will Bruin went beast mode last night all over DC United, getting two goals and two assists. What a performance by him, or was it just poor defending by DC United? It's a little bit of both, you know. I think Will Bruin. Uh, you know, hey, DC is an absolute mess right now, and their defense. I mean, those guys. It's interesting that on the, in the week that you know the salaries come out, uh, the MLS salaries are released, and you find out that their their center back tandem of of, of Dejan Yakovic and, and Brandon McDonald, you know, they are combined six hundred thousand dollars worth of center back, and those guys have been terrible these last few weeks, and and you know Yakovic was awful this time around as well. So uh, again, so you know they. they it's interesting how many you know it's DC's horrible, but it's not for a lack of spending money. I mean, there's a lot of guys not not carrying their weight when it from, from the salary standpoint on that team and offense and defense. Uh, um, so you take that and then you take a player like Will Bruin, who has killed DC. I mean, nine I think it's nine goals in nine games for him for, against them. So basically, when you have that kind of track record. As soon as you're on a field against an opponent like that, it just gives you that extra boost of confidence. It just it's like you know there are goals there. And that, and that's how Bruin played. Bruin played like he knew there were goals there for him because he's done it against them so many times. So credit to Houston, man. I mean, they to go from LA on Sunday night and fly cross country uh and play on a Wednesday against a team that's rested on a bye. I mean, I you know, we said it last show. I said it last show. If DC can't win in those circumstances, if they can't at least play well and make it competitive in those circumstances, then they are an absolute mess. I mean, they really are. And, you know, Ben Olsen, obviously, he's on the hot seat. And while, yes, as the coach, he's got to take the heat, 
you know, you really got to ask ask the questions about how this team is built and and why this team didn't do a better job in the offseason of, of, of reinforcing the roster. It just it just wasn't good enough, and now we're seeing the signs of that. This is not. I mean, obviously they've had injuries here and there. Nick DeLeon has been hurt for a long time. Dwayne DeRozier has been dealing with some issues, but it is not about injuries, man. This team is just not is just awful. And and if they couldn't figure it out in during the bye week to at least put out a competitive match, then I don't know when things are going to turn around for them. Well, DC United uh, is currently the only has four points on the season, the worst in the league. We also like went to New England. Uh, they stole a victory late. Uh, Nick Romano came up big and made a huge stop on a PK late. And uh, the look on uh, Jay Heaps' face after that game was, I I, hit, I fell for the guy. He just had the look of, you got to be kidding me, on his face. Like, what do I have to do to get a victory? Yeah, that was a tough one. You know, you really felt like that they were on their way to a win. You know, they 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 you know they it, there were there were some positive vibes in New England. They made the trade for Juan Agudelo. Uh, Christmas came early, and Chivas USA handed them the exact kind of player they were looking for, like the exact kind of player they needed. And uh, but he obviously isn't there yet. And and they, so they're up one zero. They're feeling good, and then man, the meltdown comes. They give up two goals, and then they miss a PK that could have tied it for them. A I ba- mean, a man, bad PK that's. What's that? A bad PK, too, because, I mean, I watched it a couple times now. Ramondo's already going to his right before Sayer is even close to kicking the ball. It's just an atrocious PK. Yeah, no, that's the thing. I mean, it's funny. Like, hey, Nick Ramondo's the best PK uh, penalty uh, saver in the history of MLS as a goalkeeper, right? I mean, no one can argue that, but... I don't know. I don't know a keeper that would not have saved that penalty. I was, mean, Sire yeah. Sin was awful there. I mean, he just. I mean, you, I don't. Maybe was he? I don't think he was psyched out. I know some people want to go with that storyline that oh, you know, when you go up against Dick Ramondo, you know his history. No, I'm sorry, folks. Side doubt very highly. Sire Sin is familiar with Nick Ramondo's uh, penalty kick heroics. You know, I think he just took a bad PK, and, and Ramondo smothers it. But you know, you got to give credit to Real Salt Lake. To go on the road in a, in, a, in a tough environment, and when I say tough environment, no, it's not a sold-out Gillette Stadium, but you're talking about the hard turf, traveling on the, traveling to the East Coast. I mean, it's not an easy place to play, and uh, you know, you give them credit; they turned it around. Uh, missing some key players, obviously. That you know, when you have to play young uh, young forwards, Omis Garcia, De- Devin Sandoval scoring his first yeah. goal, his first pro goal. I mean, you know that. that you have to feel pretty good. I mean, if there was only the one negative drawback there, it was that their young, their young homegrown center back uh, Salcedo. Okay. All right, the, the, I just want to point your boy. Out. I just want to point something out. He did not do anything, and that was a horrible call. If you watch the video, he did not touch the ball. He did not touch the player. I just it was a horrible call by the referee on that right there. He should not have gotten a red in that game. Fired up. Well, about it. I, I'm sure you. I, I had a feeling you would be fired up because it was a you know, horrible call. We all know you're on. We, look, we all know you're on the payroll. Listen, I'm not. No, I'm, on, just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm not kidding. on the payroll. Listen, <laughs> I'm not listen on the payroll. it was a clear. It was a case of mistaken identity. Someone handled the ball there. Uh, Might have been Beltran, and and but he just misidentified. Uh, you know, Salcido. But to be fair, Salcido. Had Duty. several <laughs> kind of questionable, card-worthy plays. Details, uh, details. Yeah, exactly, through the game. So, you know what? He probably had, like, you know, it, it, what goes around comes around. I mean, he could have had, like, three or four yellows. So, you know what? He ended up getting one that he didn't deserve. So that's just how it goes. But you know what? It's a learning experience. When, you know, when you're talking about a te- teenage center back, I mean, 
that's you know no matter what happens that's still a great experience for him so if you're if you're if you're salt lake you're happy with the three points and with the experience that your young players got um the last game that was last night san jose toronto your boy adam john gets the goal he is looking like rookie of the year in san jose once again comes through late and wins the, over toronto yeah i mean did anyone honestly believe that that wasn't how that game would play out. I mean, when you talk about one team that is historically good at coming back against another team that has been blowing leads every single week. I mean, it was it was destiny, right? I mean, the only thing that, that was a surprise was that it didn't happen in the 90th minute, that it actually happened early in the second half. And uh, say, I tell you what, San Jose, man, they have got them, themselves a gem. I mean, I've been... Obviously, talked up Adam John for I don't know how many episodes now, but he keeps getting it done. He is not coming out of that lineup. He, you know what, Frank Yellow, keep him in there, put his name in pen for now because he is the guy. You know what, Bash Brothers, one of them is going to have to take a seat because the rookie can play, the rookie can finish, and the rookie has poise. And you're starting to get that sense now that him and Wondolowski have, uh, are developing a bit of a chemistry, and um, that that's a big win for them for San Jose. I mean, they'd have that they had that string of ties. And they were dropping points left and right that, you know, after a while that catches up to you. So they needed these three points. And Toronto FC, man, they're, all of a sudden, I'd say, what, three, four weeks ago, I thought, you know what? They're a better team, progress. They, they've, you know, Ryan Nelson and Kevin Payne have built something that is clearly improved from last year. And all of a sudden, three weeks later, a string of losses, including some ugly ones. And and fans in Toronto are not happy. Fans fans in Toronto are feeling like it's a little bit of Groundhog's Day. Like it's here we are again. We're, we're the worst team. In the, we're, we're looking like the worst team in the league again. What what is when is the when are things going to change? Um, I still think it's a little early. I think everyone should remember this was always going to be a rebuilding year. But Ryan Nelson and company have to show some progress. And I know he gets it. I know he understands that this isn't good enough. Which is why you saw them. Uh, had, had a flurry of players this week. They, you know, they they went and signed, uh, you know, Tal Ben Haim, the former Chelsea slash Man City slash Bolton defender, uh, as well as a couple of other uh, players. So, you know, they they clearly get that their team isn't good enough. So, uh, you want to see how Ryan Nelson handles that now? I think the most amazing thing about Adam John is Ivis is the fact that he wasn't even invited to the MLS Combine. Is he right. is he right now your front place runner for rookie of the year? Uh, you know what? That's a tough question. That's a, you know what? It, if the vote was now, the way the way people vote, I think he could win it right now. Just because a lot of people just vote based on goals. Like, hey, what rookie has the most goals? Okay, I'm giving it to that guy. But I tell you what, though, Dylan Powers for me, uh, for to be a midfielder and starting midfielder on a team like Colorado that has been so hit by injuries and, and to be a consistently good player for them, I think he's had the most impressive season to date of the rookies. I think he's done it. Uh, I think Andrew Farrell, uh, you know, before his recent hiccups was right up there. I, th- I think DeAndre Yedlin uh, up until the past couple weeks uh, was up there. But I think for me, it's Dylan Powers and Adam John. But obviously we have a long way to go. Uh, Jesse Gisardis just started playing. He's going to be in that mix, I think. He's going to start finding goals. But um, really solid rookie class, i got to tell you. Some, uh, well, that, that wraps up all the games. So let's, uh, let's transition. Let's talk about some MLS headlines uh, before we uh, look at the weekend's action. 
Uh, Hackworth and Porter both being fined for their comments uh, to the referees. I'm going to bring up a hypothetical question here. We saw another questionable call uh, also in the Real Salt Lake game. You know, people are talking about the officiating in MLS. What do you make of the officiating in MLS, Ivis? I mean, even though these guys got fined, sometimes I, I think it could be better. You know, <laughs> I think everyone knows everyone knows it can be better. I mean, anyone who watched last week's uh, Philly Seattle game. Whether you're a Sounders fan or definitely if you're a Union fan or a neutral observer, you had to look at that game and go, man, that ref had lost, completely lost the plot. He, he, he didn't control the match early. He, he made some terrible calls late. He missed the game-changing call at the end. Uh, and that happens just far too often. I mean, it, it, you know, there's some good refs. There's some good performances. But far too often you're seeing refs just completely botch plays and, and miss key plays like that Dallas Portland penalty, which should not have been a penalty and ends up cost, you know, and what should have been a Portland win ends up being a draw. Uh, and all you can hope for is as a team, as a coach, as a player, as, as fans of a team is that those plays balance out, you know, over the course of the year that while you get a call against you one uh, in one game, maybe you get a call, go your way another game. That's the only thing you can hope for because, it's just unrealistic to expect there not to be blown calls. I mean, there's blown calls in every league in the world, but it does seem a bit. It does seem to happen a bit more often in MLS. The uh, some young some young forwards names are, are making news. You already mentioned it. Juan Agadillo going to New England. Omar Sadalgo out injury out again. Uh, what, what do you make of this, Ivis? Just another setback for this guy. Yeah, you know, I think I tell you what it. His third, uh, I think it's his third surgery on the same foot, and and you got to ask yourself what's going on there. Um, and, and I feel, I, I, honestly, I don't feel like we're getting the full story uh, just yet on what's going on there. Uh, and it's unfortunate for a player, you know, number one pick in the draft in 2011, which is obviously when you look at it now is actually was a, such a strong draft and. You know, as, you know, some people already are ready to write him off, even though he's nineteen. You know, he's a young, he's nineteen years old. He's a teenager. He turns twenty in September. Uh, he still has a bright future. He just has to get his foot, his the broken foot, sorted out, get it healed properly. And 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 you know what? Maybe it's time for a change of scenery. Maybe he needs to go to another team. Uh, you know, obviously Vancouver has a lot invested in him, so maybe they aren't going to be in a hurry to to get rid of him. Uh, even though he was on the trading block this offseason, as much as they'll tell you he wasn't, as much as they'll claim they were never close to trading him, they absolutely were close to trading him. Um, but now, you know, if you if you're if your teams that are interested, you know, how how much do you offer for a player who's had multiple foot surgeries now? And and I think that might scare some teams off. But it, it's really unfortunate. Uh, but all you can do now is kind of wait and see how he handles it. And then you also mentioned that Toronto is uh, bringing a new player, courtesy of the connection that Ryan Nelson has with his former club, Tal Ben. Hayim is coming in for Toronto, and uh, I mean, you wonder: are we going to see any more of these moves with, with guys that Ryan Nelson's connected with? Well, I mean, I think the window's closed now. I think they got that move in before the deadline, but now, now it's a case of waiting to the summer uh, to really shake things up i i think you, it's clear you're going to see some people leave toronto i mean they, they added two center backs so i think it's safe to say danny califf is going to be sent packing i mean he hasn't played there lately as it is uh but someone like darren o'day who uh who's been you know kind of at one point i think he was the captain there uh he's he's kind of been the fixture at center back but i, I think his days are numbered as well and now you have galayek basumande who, who's been starting there and i thought he's done pretty well you know considering his age and inexperience uh, and his lack of games over the past few years. I thought he stepped in and I thought he was coming along well, 
But it's clear Ryan Nelson <laughs> wants to bring in some veterans. He wants to tighten things up in the back. And uh, so it, it's clear there's going to be a shakeup there in Toronto. Well, let's, let's uh, preview the games going into this weekend. Uh, biggest game is going to be on Sunday, Mother's Day. Everyone remember to wish your mothers a happy Mother's Day or do something for them on Mother's Day. Uh, Houston taking on Sporting Kansas City. Uh, you know, we, we talked about this. You know, Sporting Kansas City, their their, their stretch of games is going to be very tough for them. What, what do you think is going to happen to this game? What do you make of it? What's your prediction, Ivis? Oh man, I, I I really I really couldn't tell you. I mean, I think you have to obviously give Houston the edge. I mean, they're 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 at home. Mm-hmm. They don't lose at home, mm-hmm. uh, and it's been a house of horrors for for Kansas City in the past. So, um, I think you give them the edge, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one, man. I think I think Kansas City clearly. They know they know Houston has has the edge on them. They know that there's a little bit of a a little bit of a mental block there, and uh, can, and Kansas City knows that if they don't break through, if they don't finally figure Houston out, they are not going to win the East. And if and, and and now is as good a time as any to send a message that you know what you're not boss you're not pushing us around anymore. You don't own us anymore. This is a new year. We're ready to go at you. And uh, you know what? They, I tell you what, Houston. Before this last two games now, I mean, great game in L.A., great game in D.C., you know, they, they were on a pretty rough stretch as far as form-wise. Now they're playing really well, so you, they, they're going to come in confident. So you have to give them the edge. But I tell you what, man, that every neutral MLS fan that there is, and I think any MLS fan that's not watching another game, you, that is a game you want to watch because I think they're going to be fireworks. Well, Ivis has his uh, stamp of approval on that game right there. It's the game. It's the game of the week. It's the. It's officially the SBI game of the week. <laughs> I didn't vote for a game. How's it? Yeah, the there, there's one? no votes, man. This is. It's just dictatorship. What I say. What I say goes. That is true, listeners. You have no idea. I'll just be like <laughs> chilling, doing nothing, and Ivis would be like, he'll g chat me. Like, if anyone who writes for Ivis and is listening to this, you know, you know what it means when Ivis g chats you. It means you better drop everything and you better respond. <laughs> or if you, I, I this one time, I, I, oh I purposely, I purposely yeah. ignored you. I purposely did, and I wake up in the morning, and I get a message from you. It says, you're in big trouble. I, 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 <laughs> I doubt I, I use those words. I swear. I swear. This is you're so just, true. Now you're just making things No, up. this is true. I am not thinking. Hey, I BS on this show a lot. That's actually true. Um, other game going to this weekend, Seattle versus San Jose. Um, like we said, Ivis, you can't discount Seattle. I, I think when Seattle comes back, and they're going to be full strength here in a couple weeks, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. But still, San Jose, though, without pairing up top, I, this is another going to be this is going to be another exciting game this weekend. I, I think so, man. I think that I think I think San Jose that that victory against Toronto is going to going to give them a boost of confidence. Uh, and, so that you know they're playing a little better, mm-hmm. and and obviously Seattle's feeling really good. So you know I think that one's going to be a good physical physical battle and uh you, you want to see what's going on with seattle and some of these injuries and 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 how close i don't you know i'm not i didn't check up on obafemi martins and his availability but whether or not he plays i'll tell you what eddie johnson versus victor bernardez i want to see that matchup you know i want to see that battle between those two guys so and also adam john see what he can do you know see if he can keep it going four goals on the season right now that's uh you know it's a season that's a pretty good season total for a rookie and he's already got it in may so that that's going to be a game, uh, you know. I think you know, you're going to want to stay up to watch. Yeah, it's going to be impressive. Seattle will be home on that game. Uh, Montreal is going to be home against Real Salt Lake. You know, Montreal is going to be a little fired up in this game. Real Salt Lake got a victory late. 
uh, you know, obviously, I'm going to go with Brie also, like, for obvious reasons, Ivis. But uh, what do you think is going to happen in this game? Yeah, yes, exactly. Uh, so, what's the score? Are you going to give a score prediction? Uh, I say um, I say 2-1, to one, and I say uh, Sebastian Velasquez gets a goal, and Luis Gale gets a goal. That's my prediction. Interesting. And wait a minute. Where is this game? Uh, it's in Montreal. Yeah, no shot. Montreal wins. Uh, nothing against Salt Lake. They just did get a road win, but playing in New England is a little different than playing in Montreal and Stad Saputo. I think I think the impact go with their full squad. Marco Devaio from the first minute. I think he finds the net, and uh, I think Montreal wins a, a tough one. I think it goes one nil. Really good battle in the midfield. I think everyone's going to want to watch. Obviously, you talk about Beckerman, Morales against uh, Bernier and uh, Felipe. I think that that's going to be worth the price of admission up there for the folks in the Montreal. Uh, I'm going to go impact. Um, and then we have uh, Chicago taking on the Philadelphia Union. What, what do you think is going to happen in this game? I mean, but these, the, you never know. I mean, Philadelphia could go on a tear and win 4-0 in this game. Philadelphia? Well, you know what? Philadelphia beat, uh, you know, they, they beat Chicago pretty handily last year uh, toward the end of the season. Uh, and, and what people should know is that this is the Baki Sumari Derby. Aki Sumari will be making his first start of the season for the Union, going up against not only his former team in the fire, but the very team that that the Philly Union have have been in negotiations with over a potential trade for Sumari. Um, you know, just to give a little insight, I know there's been stuff written about you know the fire having acquired him because of salary or because the Union are asking for too much money. I tell you what, my sources tell me that the you know the fire pretty much are trying to fleece the Union in a deal and uh, trying to get the union to, to, pr- to pretty much pay most of the salary for multiple years, which is never going to happen. That's unheard of. Um, but i tell you what, if Baki Sumari comes out here now playing in the place of the injured Jeff Park, if he comes out here and has a big game uh, against the, the fire and shuts them down and plays like the former best 11 defender that he is, I tell you what, the the fire are going to have to think about what they're, what, what about what they're going to go back to the trade table with, because, you know, once Jeff Park's back, I think the union are going to still be open to, to, to a trade because, you know, Baki Smart makes a lot of money. And you just can't afford, to, in this league, you can't afford to have uh, third center backs making $350,000. So, uh, and when and in the case of the fire, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with Arn Friedrich. He still isn't back. There's no guarantee he's going to come back. Uh, you know, from what I'm hearing, that's not a guarantee. And he could be done. He could be, you know, it could be it for, for the German. And if he doesn't come back... They need to go get. They need to go get a center back. And if Bakusumari can show in this game that he can play at that high level that people remember him being at when he was in the league before, the Fire are gonna have to come to the table with a good offer and make that deal happen. Another game, uh, Portland and uh, Chivas USA. You know, you wonder if the Chilis effect is over in Chivas USA. What, what do you, What do you think? Is it done? Well, I tell you what, man. There's some okay, there's some okay. here, here, interesting okay. stuff going Actually, on. There. Yeah, here, here's what I want to say. How how is he not told about the and Juan Agudelo trade until after it? I mean, his comments kind of were just bizarre afterwards. Well, look. To be fair, in in soccer, uh, you know, for him not to have any knowledge of it, yes, that's weird. But in soccer, you have cases where you know the front office. Uh, handles the, the player personnel and the coach manages the players that are brought in and they don't really have much input. That does happen in some instances. 
But it is a little odd that that he he didn't have any input into into the team's uh, decision to trade Juan Agudelo, who for me was one of the keys to their their early success. I mean, when he was healthy, I mean, he really was a big part of, of what they were doing well uh, before he got injured. So, uh, you know, while on one hand you can understand, look, he's leaving at the end of the year. They're not going to get anything for him. So if they can get a big amount of allocation money, and that's the thing we don't know at this point, how much they got. Sources have told me anywhere between one hundred and fifty to 200000 If that's the case, then it comes down to what are they going to do with that money. If they're planning to line up a move for a big-time Mexican player or a big-time player, you know, I, you know Hercules Gomez or, or even like a Mexican star that's like a DP million-dollar player, and they want to, and he needs some allocation money to squeeze some things around on the on the cap. If Chivas USA brings in a player that you can say, okay, this is a big ticket player, this is someone that they could they can build a marketing campaign after, they can sell tickets with, they can actually make the team significantly better uh, long term, not just this year. Then you can understand why they make the move because Juan Agudelo is leaving MLS at the end of this year. There's none of this. I know people are saying, oh, you know, he wants to resign. There's, you know, people alleging rumblings of, of, of him wanting a designated player contract. Listen, folks, Juan Agudelo is leaving MLS. He's out of here. First, play, first flight out, he is gone. He spent the last few years dying for the day he can go to England. Or not just England, go to Europe. Dying for the day that he can go to these teams that already were impressed with him, already thought he was a great prospect. And, and wanted to sign him. He is gone, folks. He is not playing MLS in 2014. So if you take that into consideration and you're Chivas USA and you say, you know what, instead of losing him for nothing at the end of the year, let, let's sell him now. Let's take this money and go back, get us a player that we're going to have for a few years. Then you kind of understand why they do it. For New England, it's great. New England's loving it because they needed a player just like him. Um, you know, you can combine him with Jerry Bankston, and all of a sudden, you're talking about two of the more in, more of the more exciting young forwards in Concacaf. Uh, uh, you know, obviously, I know Bankston's been struggling with the Revs, and Revs fans are already all over him and say he's not that good. Listen, folks, he is a legitimate forward. He's a legitimate player, and I think having Agudelo there is going to make him better. Okay, Ivis, you have we have yet to even talk about the game. I, I think Portland's going to win. Who do you think is going to win? Oh, ugh, come on. Timbers are going to kill him. I mean, Chivas USA, they're in a state of flux. They just traded Agudelo. Uh, they haven't been playing well. And Timbers are rolling. Timbers are going to crush him. Uh, it's going to be a route. I think it's going to be a route. And no Dan Kennedy this weekend either. <laughs> exactly. It's even, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, as if things aren't bad enough, Dan Kennedy's on a red card. Uh, Portland might score four or five on him. Really? You think so? I think so, man. They've cre- they've been creating chances. They've been creating chances. just haven't been finishing. Now they go up against a team that's just primed for them to pick apart. I mean, the way Chivas plays, yeah, I think it's a perfect matchup. There's going to be a lot of open space, a lot of opportunities, a lot of chances. If the Timbers can finish, they're going to put minimum four goals out on Chivas. Well, I'm sure the deal that you and I have applies to all fans. If you guys make a bet on this game and you don't get four or five goals, I also repay you back for that debt. <laughs> uh, I just make some quick picks real quick. L.A., Vancouver. I think L.A. will get the victory over Vancouver. L.A. And then you LA. have New York, New England. I think New York will get the victory there. I'll tell you what. Terry Henry doesn't like playing on turf. He won't play in that game. I'm going to go Revs in an upset. Really? Hey, no Henry, man. It's, uh, he, makes all the, he makes all the difference. Um, and then Dallas and D.C. Dallas. Oh, they're going to crush. They're going to absolutely crush D.C. Blas Perez hat trick. He may, and he may or may not. 
physically assault some DC defenders and get PKs for it. <laughs> Uh, well, Ivis, that wraps up the... Uh, oh, oh, you forgot the last one, Colorado. Oh, my gosh. I Yes, I forgot that one. Um, I'll go with Columbus in that game. I will. I will as well. I think they're going to rebound. Colorado's been great. Cinderella story, but uh, I think Federico Higuain has yes. himself a game. Uh, okay, um, that, those are all the games, right? I think we covered all 900 games that have been, have been played and will be played this week. Well, it feels like that. Well, Ivis, that, uh, that wraps up... The show today. I mean, we, we pretty much covered everything. Is there anything we forgot? I think we talked about everything we could possibly talk about. And uh, I know people say our shows are too long, but this one's definitely long. But no That's one can argue said. that it that it wasn't uh, entertaining and informative. It, it, it That's right. That's right. What? Humble. That's a humble brag. Right there. I, I, you know, I'm laughing about. Never mind. Uh, well, Ivis, uh, you have yourself an excellent weekend. You too, my man. And to everybody. One last time, one more time, don't forget to give us the reviews on iTunes and be sure to check out the SBI Facebook page. Uh, yes, and uh, Sunday's Mother's Day, so everyone treat your mothers right. Right, Ivis? Absolutely. Okay. All right, well, everyone have a great weekend. Thank you for listening. This is the SBI Show.